a look into the brutality of humanity, but childlike in nature and without the bullshit of politics. Welcome, my memoirites, to another round of the book reviews. My name is Kyron, and these are the book reviews for those who want to dive deeper into ethics, morality, looking into the knowledge that can be gained from books. And today, we have a fun one for you. It's talking about children, it's talking about islands, talking about crazy shit going on. It is Lord of the Flies by William Golding. This book was published in 1954, and it's about 225 pages in length. It tells of a boy's dream adventure, a deserted island, how great, we can do whatever the hell we want, no adults, we're going to run this show. And it takes a bit of a dark turn. So we're immediately introduced to a group of survivors, around 6 to 14 years old is what I would guess, of boys who have crashed into an island and they are there without adults, they are just there on their own. The island itself is about 5 kilometers in length and maybe a couple of hundred meters in width, it's not exactly explicit. And it's got all sorts of nice things on the island. There's fruit to eat, there's sandy beaches, there's watering holes, there's a mountain, there's rocky forts, there's just ways to play around and have fun. The boys begin to form a tribe almost from the get-go, and so we're introduced to the characters. There's Ralph, who is the leader, one of the eldest, very assertive, confident in what he's doing. There is Jack, who I guess is what you would call his rival, his antagonistic, but also forming part of the group. He is sort of the second in command leader, if you want to put it. There is Piggy and Simon, who are sort of Ralph's underlings in many ways, loyalists. And then there's a group of older boys that they called the Biggins, and these boys waver in their fidelity to either of the opposing people at the top and then there's the little ones so these are the kids who are sort of the six to ten range who can't really comprehend what's going on and they just want to have fun and play around following the formation of the group ralph tries to introduce some order so they set up a fire on the top of this mountain so that they can be rescued via the smoke they try to set up some huts and houses and there is this trying to form a society, a form some rules and regulations to, to what they're doing on the island. However, Jack is more tribalistic in nature, so he wants to go out hunting. He wants to assert his dominance on the island. He wants to have fun. He wants to do all of these things. And so there's tension builds until there's a splintering between it, and Jack goes his own way, Ralph goes his own way, and they we have two groups. They tend to become at war with each other, and there is some death scenes going on there is some violence that ensues and right at the end there's this absolutely dramatic ending where the sides are opposing each other and ralph is on the run and bam he almost gets caught he does get caught what happens at the end i won't spoil it for you right now i touched on the author in the book this was the first novel by william golding and it's turned into a classic so kudos to him on that that's really amazing i think one of the things that helped with that was he had a journal where he wrote around 2.4 million words in total so he obviously was a prolific writer and he turned into a prolific writer after the success of this book as well and what really got to me and what i thought was impressive and of note was he was a school teacher so he had intimate knowledge of how groups of young children work and so could really dive into the mentality of what it is to be a human and in particular the humanity that you can see in kids when they are not sophisticated when they don't have the real capability of lying and nuance and politics and all of these sorts of things so 
interesting look into how he created this classic book from elements in his own life. The first theme of the book is human nature, savagery without sophistication. So we see a lot of raw emotions cropping up and these can be good, they can be bad, they can be neutral, they can be a mix of things. So some examples from the book, well, we see the bullying of Piggy right from the get-go. The cruelty is right there, inherent from the start. It is impossible to miss. We'll see the laziness aspect. So this is just the desire for no work, for playing around, for joy, which are good things. But then you can also see some of the negative stuff, the violence that occurs, that erupts, and almost the intoxication with this violence of, of wanting to beat people, of wanting to hurt other people. The tribal dance scene is particularly, I think, of note because you can see just how good this is and then very quickly turns bad when they do start beating on Simon. And then just the thrill of the hunt, the excitement, the joy. So all of these things, I think, are are in us inherently. These raw emotions, they are part of human nature. The savagery that is contained within human nature, I think, is hard to argue against because you can see it in so many examples from real life as well, not just in fiction. So, we have all these stories of kids going out into the wild or of these wild tribes that are out there and they still practice some crazy things. We can see it with people who are, maybe you could call sophisticated and should know better, forming communes, leaving, and they never really end up going well. There is always a disintegration, a breaking down of the order because of intertribal conflicts of these emotions popping up and it's just really hard to get a grasp on them and not instinctively respond to them and, you know, not get back at that person who was hurting you or not, you know, fulfill that desire for lust that you feel for another member's wife or their partner or things like this. So, we can really see just this savagery that is just in us and the sophistication aspect comes into it in that we're standing on the shoulders of giants. So, if you look nowadays, we do have all of these laws and rules and regulations put in place and these were built up over the many, many years and so there's almost a debt to everyone that's in our past. So, the human nature, I would say, is that savagery without the sophistication. Now, question is, does sophistication solve all of this? So, if we can be more nuanced, if we can put in place automation and things like this technology, will we be able to dampen down human nature? Is this a good thing? Will that savagery go away? And once again, I would argue no to that. We can really see this in post-World War II where we're examining like what happened, what went wrong with all these different places or what happened in communist Russia and places like this where so many, so many people died and there was such suffering and cruelty. And it was, no, the sophistication actually aided in this ability to hurt others, to make the world a worse off place. So this human nature, this savagery that's within us, this sophistication, uh, I would say is an aspect of it in that it can help us in ways and then also emphasize that savagery in other ways. So what is the differentiator? How can we find out when sophistication, i.e. technology, nuanced thinking, introspection, how is that stuff going to help us and take us away from the savagery in human nature and how, and I guess, dampen it down? And when is it going to make it better? Very hard to say, and these questions still remain in this world today. The second theme of the book is the beast, the fear that everyone knows. So, in the book, we see that the children develop this fear of something called the beast. There is this rumor that is spread around that there's a beast out there in the night. 
that it comes to get you, that it can hurt you, harm you, take you away, do all of these things. Although it's not super explicit in what it'll actually do. There's just this foreboding, this bad feeling that something is out there, it's going to get us. And this is particularly associated to the night. So during the day, they're all fine. Things are going dandy, you know, playing around, having fun. And then in the night, that's when you hear the nightmares, the screaming, the terror, the kids getting afraid. And what I want to argue is that this beast is a metaphor that everyone knows in everyday life. So you can see this in the book that the children are all associating the beast with a fear of some sort, but the fear can be highly individualized. It can be particular to a person. So I would argue that the beast in this case for Ralph would be the fear of losing his own mind. He's in a position of power, but he's fearful of his own tendency towards brutality. He's fearful of his, you know, not caring about getting rescued and just diving into the world of hunting, of excitement and all of these things. And so there's that fear for him. That is the beast for him. There's Piggy and the beast for him would be more of an outcast of being alone forever. So he's continually being tormented and tortured for his weight, for his glasses, for his looks. And I would argue that the beast for him is more being like, oh, no one's ever going to love me. I'm always going to be treated cruelly by all these other people. For Simon, I would say it's more something along the lines of helplessness. So he appears to have some sort of schizophrenia or some sort of disease, some sort of genetic thing in him that makes him go crazy, have seizures, have fits and things like this. And so he... I would argue is afraid of that losing everything as well, of, of being unable to control himself, of his body, his mind just going blank and then him being in this helpless state where he can't do anything. So I think most, if not all of us, have some sort of metaphor, a beast, if you will, a fear that can't be ignored. No matter how much you push it aside, it's always going to be in there lingering around. Now, this might express itself in different formats. So I'll list some of my own fears that I've had in the past. And these are interacting sexually with women of traveling to another country without being able to speak the language of dancing, of violence itself, of being in large crowds. And you can look at all of these and say, oh, that's not really, you know, they're pretty separate, a lot of those. But I would argue if you look at it, I'd say, oh, you know what? The metaphor sort of linking all of them would be something along the lines of the fear of being rejected from the group, of having people disagree with you. And so other people might have different metaphors in some ways. So this could be the fear of the unknown, which might present itself as a hypochondriac, something like that, where it's like, you know, it's something that's deep within you and maybe it's particular to you, but everyone would probably have some sort of thing like that. And then it expresses itself in different ways. So a question about this metaphor is, must we confront it? Must something be done about it? If it's a fear that can't be ignored. And I would say indirectly, yes, but more of a management system. So I would argue that it's impossible to actually fully eradicate a fear like that to the point that it will never affect you again. To this day, I would still say there is some fear and hesitation with me interacting with women. Going to another country where I don't speak the language like Poland, for example, there still would be in me something that makes me uncomfortable with that. Now, the point is, I would say you can still manage the fear by just testing yourself in different areas. So maybe I can test myself by going to the German club here in Brisbane and trying to speak some German with some people who I know uh, German speakers. Maybe I could go to a dance class or go out to a nightclub to 
just remind myself and just say, oh, yes, I can conquer this. I can manage this in, in different ways. Now, how you actually do that, there's all sorts of methods. Uh, cognitive behavioral therapy is a good one. There's going to psychiatrists, sorting it out yourself. I won't go into all of those here. But I would just argue that in the book, you can also see this as well. Ralph is continually trying to fight this desire to slip into depravity, into brutality, into this human nature and not care about getting saved and not care about forming law and order and having a, suppose, you know, better life of thinking about the future, whereas the other boys are just slip into it right away. So for him, that metaphor of, of losing his own mind, he needs to confront that. And he tries to do that as much as he can. And I would argue that right until the end of the book, he does manage to do that. And then that's when the salvation comes and he is almost uh, justified in what he was doing. So onto my personal observations and takeaways. What I really liked about this was it was a simple response almost to a simple question. How do kids behave? So William Golding said that he wrote this book because all of the kids in stories that he read would never behave this way. So what would they actually do if they were on their own without adult supervision and, and whatnot? And well, the answer for him was was pretty brutal. They, they would follow their human nature. They would be quite savage to each other. And this is where I would say that sophistication aspect draws into it as well. And as why we don't see it in this book is because the kids aren't sophisticated enough to form interpersonal relations and realize, you know, if I get these three critical people on my side, I can become the leader. And then I know I can stab one of them in the back. Who's the guy who would overtake me. So things like that, the politics, the bureaucracy, the, the bullshit that goes on when you start to be able to see further into the future, to manipulate people, to lie and understand all of those things. So I think this book was a pretty simple answer to that question he posed himself and god damn it wasn't a, a pretty answer at all <laughs> i normally don't add my criticisms or qualms to the books because i've never written one myself so i have no idea how much effort the process that goes into it i prefer talking about the good things but i'll make an exception in this point and there was one particular scene where ralph has a flashback to his home life where he's talking about where he was as a kid, his streets, living in society. And I actually thought it didn't really fit in with the book and the book would have been better off without this flashback, which I felt was somewhat unnecessary. It was already implicit in the story that all of the kids knew what home life was like back with you know, society, sophistication, where you would follow the rules and things like that. And you didn't need a concrete example for it. I preferred just knowing that they implicitly knew what it is in there. And I felt it just broke up the story. So one qualm I would have from the book is that particular scene. And, you know, if I could do it again, I would just rip out those pages and not read them because I feel it's better off without having them in there. The title as well, I found interesting. So it refers to Lord of the Flies. And this is a particular scene where a boar's head is put on a stick and Simon is speaking with it. And it's almost his personification of the beast in a way. And it's really funny because I just really didn't connect with that scene in particular, even though that's the name of the book, the title. So I feel the author, um, William Golding, must have had some sort of big impact with it and wanted to showcase that. But for me, yeah, didn't really do that much for me. And the one thing it did actually do was distract me from the story relating to a Simpsons episode. So there's a Simpsons episode that follows the plot line of this book. 
And it wasn't until about halfway in that I realized like, oh, this is the plot line of that. So it was actually almost useful in a way because I wasn't expecting it. I was expecting something more related to flies and the beast and all of these other things. Um, And with that being said, uh, it was still nice to read, even though I knew what was roughly going to happen when I figured out like, oh, I've seen this story in The Simpsons because the, the deaths, the brutality of Piggy and Simon and what happened to them uh, really took me by surprise. That obviously didn't happen in the Simpsons episode. So funny enough to see that and go like, oh, okay, this is a completely different thing. In summary, it's a tale of day and night, beauty and beast, fun and fear. I feel it's a real good look at human nature and examines us as our most primal, as little beasts, as children. It's quite a short book, but it does flesh out the characters enough to really get into it to have those individuals and then also looking at what is fear the meta fear that is contained within us and the savagery that is also within us it's quite a mix and i would say if i had to describe it that it's sort of like robinson crusoe which has the darker elements and also the plot line of the you know unknown island of a single man on his own this time it's not in a group setting but then also mixed with any generic children's book so like the fantastic five or del toro quest or whatever it is that you want so all in all i'm going to give it a seven out of ten a pretty decent book lord of the flies by william golding and so my mere modelites we've reached the end of the book review thank you for joining me to this point what are your thoughts on lord of the flies on little children on beasts i would love to know all of these things to get in contact with me you can find me at the mere mortals podcast or if you're using a podcasting 2.0 app you can send me a boostergram and i will definitely see those messages and i would absolutely be thrilled by that so you can go to newpodcastapps.com I would recommend Fountain FM. That's probably one of the best that I've found so far. And in particular, you will now see chapters appearing around there. So I put in little chapters of what's happening, the themes that are occurring in the book of funny things that I think might be enjoyable for you as the listener to see or to link to. And then other than that, I hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are in the world. Kyron out.